For first-time horse owners and new riders, finding the information and support you need can be challenging. Luckily, Equine Network has partnered with Sentinel and Absorbine to bring you MyNewHorse.com as your one-stop shop for easy-to-understand horse care information and guidance. Visit MyNewHorse.com. You're listening to Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. (laughs) Welcome to Sleep Stories for Equestrians. I'm your host, Ashley Winch. We're so happy you're here to relax and unwind. If you fall asleep and miss the story, we will recap it at the beginning of the next episode. We've also selected and edited these stories for ultimate relaxation, removing any stressful bits without affecting the story's integrity, so you can focus on drifting off to sleep. With that, let's settle down and prepare for our story. The gates are closed, the horses sleep, the day's work done, the chores complete. Now let us rest, our bodies and minds, drift off to sleep, and close your eyes. It's time for us to turn down for the night. Now let's breathe in, breathe out, and turn off the light. One more time, breathe out, breathe in. Now, let us begin. Last week, we learned how Grandpa and Paul helped to save everyone in Chincoteague from the storm. Will Misty finally give birth to her foal? Let's find out. Chapter 9. Waiting for the Whirlybird Getting home was rough going and agonizingly slow. The horses plodded through the water when they could and swam when they had to. Paul and Grandpa stopped once to let them blow. Then they pressed on, man and creature eager for home. Almost there, Paul saw the higher ground of Pony Ranch with all the buildings still standing brave and whole. The cottage, its green roof darkened by the rain, the made-over chicken coop, and the hay house and the smokehouse. But they looked littler than before, and somehow frightened, with the sea creeping up on them. At the gate, Grandpa made his decision. Ride down to the smokehouse, Paul, he said. Pick us out a big ham. If we gotta go, we're not showing up on the mainland empty-handed. I'll dry off Billy Blaze and see about Misty. Skipper swam out to meet Paul, then paddled alongside all the way to the smokehouse. Round as a silo and perched on the highest spot of the ranch, the smokehouse was a landmark for ships in the channel. Inside it was a friendly place, with its exciting smells, sweet and smoky. In the little while it took for Paul to select the biggest ham and to cut a piece of rind for Skipper, the rain had turned to icy sleet. Grandpa was throwing an old blanket over Misty when Paul looked in. Grandpa! Misty standing in water. So am I. But you're not about to have a colt. 
Wish I was, then maybe I'd get a bit of coddling. But Grandpa, what are we going to do with her? The only thing left to do. What's that? Take her smack into the kitchen. Into Grandma's kitchen? The very one. And that's where she's going to stay until the tide ebbs. How are you going to ask her? I ain't asking. I'll just put her halter on and lead her up the steps and onto the porch and through the door. No, I mean, how are you going to ask Grandma? Oh, well, I'm not asking her neither. I'll just tell her quiet-like. But Grandpa didn't tell her quietly. He led up to it like a growing storm. Itty, Maureen, he thundered as he and Paul stomped in. Your menfolk are home. Praise be, Grandma exclaimed. I've been so worried I couldn't do a lick of work. Just sat by the window praying double quick time. Tell her now, Paul whispered to Grandpa. It's not the time, but Misty's feet are wet. Won't hurt her none. Salt water's good for her feet, man or beast. He turned to Grandma. Itty dear. Don't set the table. We'll just stand up and eat beans and soup with some of your good bread. Then we've got some packing to do, itty dear. Grandma mimicked. Don't you, itty dear me, Clarence. What are you up to? Your face is red as a gobbler's waddle. Paul giggled nervously. Often, he had thought their tom turkeys and grandpa looked alike but he had never dared say it. He couldn't stop giggling, and soon Maureen was laughing right along with him. Grandma began to chuckle without knowing why. I declare to goodness, hearing people laugh is like sunshine flooding the house. It's flooding I want to talk to you about, Itty. The laughter stopped. Grandpa's voice was stern. All morning helicopters been carrying off the sick, now, they're coming for folks as well. Not me, they ain't, Grandma flared up. They can count me out. I'm too old to start riding across the sky in an egg beater. All right, maybe you prefer staying here and having sharks and crabs slinking into your house and grabbing you. He winked at the children. Remember the day when that crab pinched your grandma when she was bending over gathering oysters? Why? She went off like one of them big rockets from Wallop's Beach. Grandma turned her back and began slicing bread with a vengeance. But what'll happen to Misty? Maureen asked in alarm. I'll stay with Misty, Grandma announced without turning around. Much as I dislike treating ponies like folks, I admit to a kinship when she's having a baby. Grandpa cut open the can of beans with his knife. Paul, he growled. Maybe you can explain things to your grandma. It's true, grandma, Paul said, helping himself to the heel of the bread. Tide's coming back four foot higher, and the island's going to be... to be spoiled. He looked at grandpa, wishing he hadn't said that. Then he went on quickly. Health officials want everyone to clear out. They say there could be a fierce epidemic. No one spoke. Grandma sat down at the table and stared vacantly. 
She brushed imaginary crumbs into her hand. Well, Itty, Grandpa said, you can have your druthers. Do you want me to stay and take a chance on losing Paul and Marine to typhoid? Or do you want to light out now, before the tide pushes us out? For the first time, Grandma began to waver. Why, I had no idea it was this bad, Clarence. Well, it is. One way to look at it is people got to go. Why, up to the north end of the island there was one big fat lady weighed near 200 pounds, and this lady and her teenage girl and her girl's beau was a-sittin' in their house just talking away, and then all at once a big whoosh of the sea came into their sitting room, and they were scrambling atop tables and chairs, and they wouldn't have come to the attic if they hadn't one. But they didn't. And that young boy, he had to saw a hole in their ceiling, mind you, and clumb up into the teensy airspace under the roof. And with him a-pullin' and the girl a-pushin', they squeezed the mother through the hole. Grandpa stopped for a breath. What happened to them? Maureen asked. Were they there all night? Yep. And long bout daybreak, the boy sawed a hole in the roof, and they all clumb out, and later... One of them whirly birds came down and rescued the three of them from the rooftop, all shivery, wet, and hungry. Now, Itty, how'd you like it if we had to cut a hole in our pretty green roof and I had to haul you up like a sack of potatoes? Paul nudged Grandpa. Tell her now. So, you see, Itty, we could be next. Already, floodwaters are seeping into Misty's stable. She's coming into your kitchen. He announced, and that's where she's going to stay until the tide is out. Good heavings, Grandma looked beaten. Now then, you better start packing. We will want a blanket apiece, and we're taking a beautiful ham to surprise the mainlanders. And speaking of eating, these beans is Paul's treat. At last, Grandma accepted the truth. She began to scurry about, talking to herself. We've got to take some soap for sure, and we'll have to have a comb, and... Grandpa and the children left her to her bustling. There was much to be done before the helicopter came. Misty had to be brought into the kitchen. Before that, the marsh ponies in the hay house had to be made comfortable. Let's lift down the top bales, Grandpa directed, when they reached the long shed. We'll pile them too deep over the whole floor. That way, even their feet will be dry. And if we don't break open the bales, Paul said, it'll take them that much longer to eat the hay. They could live for a week in here, Maureen said. Exactly, Grandpa nodded. No need to worry about them. Then it was Misty's turn. Paul had expected to lead her out of her stall quietly, and that she would foot her way along carefully, as any brood mare should. But the moment he put on her halter, she began quivering as if the wind and waves called up the wilderness in her. Her head went up, her tail went up, her ears pricked sharply, and even in the bitter cold she broke out in sweat. Whoa, girl, whoa, Paul soothed. He slid his hand through the halter as he opened the door, but with one leap she was in the water, lifting him off his feet. She didn't want to be led, 
She wanted to splash and play like any Shinkatique pony. Grandpa grabbed her from the other side. Maureen, he yelled. You hop on and ride her to the steps. Me and Paul guide you from behind. Maureen climbed aboard. Through her legs, she could feel Misty's heart pounding. The water was up to Misty's knees. Then a swirl of it hit her belly. She tried to jump over it. Maureen grabbed a handful of mane. Yahoo, she cried in startled surprise. Misty tried one more leap, then settled down and went steadily forward. She reached the steps well ahead of Paul and Grandpa, who came wading up out of breath. Now here's the touchy part, Grandpa panted. Steps are mighty slippery and we don't want her falling and hurting herself. But Misty had been up those steps before. She clomped up happily, lifting each foot high. On the top step she paused, mesmerized. A little brown rabbit sat stock still on the porch rail, not a whisker twitching. It seemed more statue than real. The two creatures stared at each other, the big soft brown eyes and the small beady ones. Misty snorted as if to say, what are you doing here? Go on back to your briar patch. But the rabbit never budged, not even when Misty stretched out her neck and breathed right in its face. Grandpa guffawed. Even then, the cheeky little thing stood its ground, more afraid of the rising water than of people or ponies. He's sassing Misty, Paul laughed. Don't eye me, ma'am, he's saying. I've been flooded out, same as you. At last, Misty grew bored and ambled across the porch, through the back hall, and right into the kitchen. When they were all crowded inside, Grandpa took off his hat in a sweeping bow. Meet Itty, my wife, he said. Grandma winced. We've met before, she said dryly. Then her heart melted. Take off your pretty red shawl, Misty, she said, entering into the game, and make yourself at home. She went to the refrigerator while Misty followed her, snatching a streamer of her apron. Grandma jumped in fright, almost stumbling over her apron on the floor. Why, that ungrateful rascal. I have a good notion to put these carrots back in the box. But she didn't. She held them out and let Misty lick them. Feels tickly, her lips and whiskers, don't they? Paul and Maureen exchanged glances. Grandma stiffened. You're all dropping pools of water on my clean floor, she sighed, but no matter now, I guess. How soon will the helicopter come for us, she asked. Right soon, Grandpa replied. Come on, son, we better hurry and haul in plenty of straw for Misty. After they had made a deep, rustly bed for her in the kitchen, there was nothing left to do. Four blankets and the ham were ready and waiting and Misty was already at home, contentedly munching on wisps of hay while Maureen combed her mane. As the minutes dragged on, Grandma grew pale and fidgety. She busied herself pouring an extra bowl of milk for wait a minute. Then she began watering her sweet potato vine and her fern. That's my girl, Grandpa came over and patted her shoulder. 
That's my girl. Then he broke into a sudden howl as he caught her wetting down a plant of artificial violets. Even Grandma laughed at herself and her color came back. Believe now I'll just sit down and play us a hymn, she said. I hate waiting for anything, especially helicopters. She opened up the organ and began playing and singing. Her voice quavered at first, and then grew stronger, as if she wanted to reach God in his heaven, direct. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rock and treacherous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. That's great, Itty. Misty's ears are keeping time, turning every which way. Then Grandpa saw the helicopter breaking through the dun-colored sky. Play it once more, he urged. Just once more. No use worrying her too soon, he thought. Again, Grandma's trembly voice filled the little house. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Chapter 10 Backyard Landing The helicopter was chewing into the wind, coming closer and closer to Pony Ranch. Almost over the house, it stopped midair, engine roaring. It silenced even Grandma's music. Everyone flew to the window, including Misty. They watched as the noisy machine hung over their heads. He's trying to decide, Paul yelled. Who is? What? Maureen wanted to know. The pilot, silly. He's figuring out where to land. Grandpa was spellbound. Ain't it beautiful? It's hanging in the air just like a hummingbird. Oh, mercy me, Grandma cried as the helicopter tilted and began a steep vertical descent. Oh, oh, it's going right in my daffodil bed. Like a bird aiming for its nest, the helicopter hovered over the mounded up flower bed and squatted down on the tiny patch. Grandma watched in dismay as its rotors spit sand and water in every direction. She hid her face in her hands. Oh, Clarence, I can't go. I can't. And why not, Grandpa demanded. Because, she groped for a reason, Misty will ruin my linoleum and... Here the sobbing became a wail. She'll chew on the nice new table with the letdown leaves. No, she won't. Paul was on the defensive. I'll stay and watch her. You listen to me, Paul, Beebe. Grandpa exploded. Anyone staying behind will be me, the head of the household. Quick now, everyone grab a blanket. I'll go explain things to that pilot. He started for the door. Grandma reached it first and made a barricade of herself. Her crying was done. If you stay behind, Clarence, we all do. Either we go as a family or we stay as a family. Grandpa sighed, half amused, half annoyed. Then everything settled. Throw your mind out of gear, Itty, and get your duds on. 
while grandma was struggling into her overboots and grandpa and the children were doing last minute chores, opening a window from the top just a crack, taking vegetables from the refrigerator and scattering them in amongst Misty's hay. Last of all, grandpa put the stopper in the sink and turned on the cold water. Makes a neat water trough, eh? He chuckled, avoiding grandma's eyes. You think she can manage without us? Maureen asked. We got to think that, honey. Even if the tide seeps in, I made this straw bed so thick that the little colt won't even get his hinder wet. Sure, Paul added. And see how Wait a Minute is cozying up to Misty? They'll keep each other company. And see how calm she is watching that helicopter? She's saying, I've seen big birds flapping their wings before. Oh, Paul, I wish I could read critters' minds the way you do. That's easy, Maureen. You just have to be as smart as they are. Mr. Birch, the Coast Guard man, welcomed the BBs at the foot of the stairs. Standing there in the water, he looked like a preacher, ready to baptize his flock. I wish everyone was as prompt as you folks, he said as he herded them towards the helicopter and willing to cooperate without arguing. We did all that before you came, Maureen said. Mr. Birch laughed. Leave it to the youngins to come out with the truth. He helped Grandma up the steps and into the shuddering plane. See, Mrs. Beebe, it's easier than boarding a train. Maureen started to follow, but suddenly turned to Paul, and almost in unison they set out a cry. Skipper! Skipper! They both called frantically. S-K-I-P-P-E-R. Mr. Birch was shaking his head. Sorry, children. We just have room for folks on this trip. All dogs stay behind. Put him in the kitchen, too, Grandma offered. Skipper! Here, Skipper! The children whistled and screamed but there was no sign of him, only the water swirling and the trees bending with the wind. All aboard, the pilot called out. We've got another pickup to make before dark. All aboard. Fasten your seatbelts, the pilot ordered. Now, ain't this exciting, Grandpa yelled as the blades overhead began whirring madly and the helicopter rose off of the earth and climbed straight up and up. It's just like being in an elevator. Grandma shook her head. She leaned toward the earth and taking a long last look at Pony Ranch, saying goodbye. Grandpa squeezed her hand comfortingly and he looked down too, down at the little house growing smaller and smaller. Such a racket, Maureen cried. Sounds faster than we're going. Grandma held her hands over her ears. Feels as if a thousand dentists are drilling inside my head. On your store teeth, Paul grinned. Oh, Paul, stop teasing. I wish... I wish you and Maureen was littler. If I only had a baby to hold, I'd feel braver. Grandma soon got her wish. At the next stop, they picked up the Hoopers and the Twileys and young Mrs. Welton with her squalling baby boy. Just as the father of the baby was about to board, 
The pilot poked his head out the window. Sorry, sir. We're full. You'll have to wait for the next one. Quickly, the young man tried to hand in a pile of diapers, but a gust of wind tore most of them away, and they went flying off like kites. Mrs. Wilton, clutching her baby, started to get out. Stay put, lady. Everybody stay put. I'll be along soon, Mr. Wilton called, and before the door closed, he thrust in the remaining diapers and the baby's bottle. As the helicopter took off, Mrs. Wilton began sobbing louder than her baby. The passengers looked at one another, helpless and embarrassed, all except Grandma. She opened wide her arms. You just hand that little tyke across to me, she smiled, and wipe your eyes. You can busy yourself holding the few diapers you got left. Willingly, Mrs. Wilton passed the baby across the aisle and into experienced hands. The crying stopped at once. The northeast wind shook the helicopter, but it obeyed the pilot's stick. We take no backtalk from the elements, Mr. Birch said to reassure his passengers. The plane was heading into the wind, flying low over the channel and over the long rib of sand that was Assateague. Everyone scanned the hills and woods for wild ponies. I see a bunch, Paul cried. I knew it, I knew it, Grandpa exulted. They're atop the white hills. The pilot tried to hold the plane steady, but the gale was merciless. Twice he circled the herd and then climbed and headed due west. The island of Assateague seemed to be sailing backward, and now they were over Shinkateague again. Mr. Birch, Maureen shouted, look at the people on that raft. They're waving a white flag. I see it, Mr. Birch answered. But it's a housetop, not a raft, and that's a bedsheet. They don't know that we've got a full load. From the cockpit, the pilot called back. We'll get them on the next trip. No, we won't, he contradicted. I see another chopper heading this way. They'll beat us to it. Mr. Hooper, a quiet little man, said his first words of the trip. Sky's so full of whirlybirds, we're going to need a traffic cop up here. In spite of all the tragedy, the passengers couldn't help smiling at Mr. Hooper's joke. Yep, Grandpa agreed. I can almost see a policeman mounted on a cloud like a parson in a pulpit. But the make-believe fun didn't last. Now they were over the big bay of water, and they could see the wavy shore of the mainland. Slowly, the helicopter came down from the sky onto a landing field at Wallop Station. A thin fog was closing in, and the nightlights were already on as the Beebe's, the Hoopers, the Twileys, and Mrs. Wilton tumbled out of the plane like seeds from a pod. A gust of wind swept them into a little huddle. Suddenly, the adventure and excitement were over. Standing there in the rain, Paul felt what he was, a refugee, homeless and cold and hungry and half of his mind was far, far away in a hay-strewn kitchen. Thank you for joining us today 
on sleep stories for equestrians. Allow this peaceful music to guide you off to dreamland.